Hello and welcome to the Unfiltered Experience with Tara and Louisa. We are two girls who speak the truth about the struggle of never feeling enough whilst growing up in a world of filters and comparison. Here we will have raw, relatable and authentic conversations to empower you on your path to self-development. Come with us on the journey of unlearning. Welcome back to episode three. Let's get straight into it, Louisa. How are you feeling? How's your week been? And what have you unlearned? I feel resentful. I feel like I have an attitude problem today. I My week has been pretty good. All I've done is I've just been so busy and I haven't really had time to stop and be introspective. But I th- would say that my mood is a direct reflection of unlearning the wrong thing this week. Yeah. I was holding myself accountable through this podcast. So I have to be honest that I have stopped doing the routines that were keeping me emotionally healthy Mm. and now I'm emotionally unhealthy which is always fun I love that so yeah I just was prioritizing sleep in the morning because I wasn't going to bed early enough I was yeah really busy this week doing stuff for the podcast and working Uh, like I was out of alignment and in autopilot mode this week tell me about you well thanks for your honesty Louisa I yeah I'm feeling a little bit irritable (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, yeah, I have a sore back and that's just my reality. Mm. But I have unlearned some really valuable stuff this week just around letting go of people pleasing and holding boundaries. And I feel like that's been important for me to look after myself yeah, for my self-care. Uh, and it's funny because when I put in a boundary about having time off work to care for myself, I wake up in the morning on my day off and think, what am I going to do? Mm. What do I do? The void. The void. It's there. Yeah. I'm like, I feel empty. Doing nothing when you've been keeping yourself busy as a trauma response, mm. like that hectic go, go, go thing can be a way that we avoid our feelings. 100%. And then when you stop and all you crave when you're in that space is to do nothing and then you get to doing nothing and you feel more hollow and afraid than you did when you were going and avoiding the feelings. A hundred percent. And to be really, really honest, mm. I scrolled TikTok this morning yep. for a little while. Yep. That's where we're at, everyone. <laughs> we're doing great. That's where we're at. <laughs> but today, let's get into our topic. So our topic today is self-soothing without external things. So we're sort of coming off the back of last week. We talked Mm. about Instagram, our relationship with detoxing from social media and how that's been a really important part of us finding self-esteem, which was our first episode. So coming forth to our third episode where we want to talk about, yeah, learning to self-soothe in solitude Mm, yeah to to soothe ourselves instagram is a massive one but there are so many ways that we reach outside of ourselves to self-soothe and you know we touched on them a little bit by saying like relationships i even just said work yeah i use the gym yeah food you know there's all these different topics but you know there's some really big ways that i I don't go inwards and that's by reaching out to people, you Mm. know, like I use people a lot Mm. to regulate myself and to soothe myself, especially like if I'm making a big life decision, Mm. I need your support. You know, I need you to tell me this is what you should be doing. I can't back myself. And that carries into those little things carry into the big things for me. Like when I'm having a big trigger or a big feeling, Mm. I can't get through it on my own. And I find that, 
that can be really detrimental. You know, I need to learn. Well, I've needed to learn how to go inwards. Yeah. I think if we bring it back to what is self-soothing. So the idea of being able to self-soothe is the ability to soothe our emotional state to be regulated. So if I'm in a place of emotional dysregulation, I'm usually in my amygdala, I'm in the back of my brain. So I go into fight or flight, which means my frontal cortex is switched off mm. and I have no I I haven't got a concept of how to understand consequences when I'm in that space. I'm just learning how to either I'm in my animal instincts. Do I run? Do I fight the situation? And often we can because of our life experiences and maybe experiences as children, we can perceive situations that aren't actually threatening and that can force us into that fight or flight over situations that are just emotionally threatening, Mm. you know? So it could be that you've been cheated on in the past by a boyfriend. And so you perceive your partner talking to an attractive girl as a threatening and fight or flight response is activated whereas somebody that may have not had that experience would just look at that and be happy and and not question that situation yeah so if we look at the concept of self-soothing as children we develop and we look to self-soothe through our caregivers and through our parents you know we reach out and we cry and our parents soothe us and you know we learn as adults to then learn to self-soothe on our own but often what happens we experience things as children that sort of ruptures that ability we look we still maintain that relationship of looking outside of ourselves mm. to soothe and that's definitely been my experience at times I have felt the need to look at other people to validate what I should or shouldn't be doing mm. because I can't back myself when I'm triggered I have a lot of self-doubt about how I should navigate a situation. And that can actually be a healthy thing to reach out and to get somebody who's emotionally regulated to look at a situation and advise. Mm. And offer support. Yeah, yeah. Tara's definitely been that person for me. Oh, and you've been that person for me. But, you know, there was a period of my life where it was through COVID and we were in lockdown and, and we were in solitude. But for me, that was actually isolation. Yeah. And there's a difference, you know, because there's being alone and then there's being lonely. And I was really lonely and I didn't have that sort of connection or that ongoing emotional support. Mm. We did over the phone, but not not in my life face to face. Yeah. And I really noticed how important it was for me to learn to regulate and soothe on my own. Mm. And how I hadn't learned how to do that at all throughout my life. Yeah. Because it was such a foreign concept to me. And I think I have a really interesting attachment style, which is that I had a parent who was very forthcoming and present and emotional and loving. And then I had another parent who was emotionally unavailable and who wasn't there. So I I was taught this hot, cold situation Mm. where, yeah, like it was – do I reach out? Do I go to myself? I don't know how to regulate through this. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot of people also experience hyper independence as a response to overbearing parents. Mm. You know, they experience needing to go through everything alone to a detriment Mm. where it actually isolates them from real connection and safety and relationships. And they live in sort of a fearful state of intimacy. Mm. And I think what's that Pia Melody... Yeah, so Pia Melody talks about the attachment styles and she talks about like healthy parenting 
and unhealthy parenting Mm. and a healthy parent nurtures and loves their child and shows up for them day in day out but when it's time to let them go even though they feel immense fear about letting that child go and live their life they still encourage them to go and do it yeah because that's what a healthy parent does right they let go of their child when it's time for them to go and move out or go and get a job or go into a new relationship get married have a child whereas some unhealthy parenting would be i need you Mm. you know like parents can rely on their children as a source of validation for themselves Mm. a source of feeling enough or their purpose Mm. and pia melody talks about parents who rely on their children to feel fulfilled in their life tend to hold on to them when those big moments come and they won't let them go Mm. and that creates an avoidant attachment style and the avoidant attachment style is underpinned by a fear of rejection or a fear of being abandoned. Mm. But on the top, they're saying, get away, leave me alone. Let me abandon you first. Let me abandon you. And because they're feeling smothered or they're feeling overwhelmed. Mm. And, you know, she talks about how that can develop unhealthy, self-soothing techniques because we're not taught that it's okay to have a feeling by yourself or yeah it's okay to go and experience the world and have challenges and come home and feel sad about that and Mm. that's okay we we don't get taught that when our parent or when the parent is constantly reassuring the child that they're there and I'm here for you and I love you and I've got you and you're not going anywhere yeah it's such a balancing act with parenting you know and that's I guess how generational trauma occurs is because the parents of those parents Mm. wouldn't have had those skills either Mm. and that's how they parented or it was the opposite and then they pass that opposite behavior on yeah and I think what you just said like we're not taught this this is the stuff which needs to be in schools Mm. you know how do we emotionally regulate and what is our knowledge as children around self-love practices and you know that internal dialogue voice because for me as a kid I learned how to, I I learned that when I was sad, how do I get back to being okay? Mm. And I would happily use any behavior that wasn't necessarily good for me in the long run to get back to an okay state because I felt so much anxiety about being, I felt really scared when my feelings were dysregulated because I didn't know how to handle them. I had Mm. no understanding of how to process emotions i didn't know that they passed Mm. i didn't know that like you know it was okay to lean into those feelings and you know i just needed some guidance or some some connection or yeah i had no toolbox or knowledge around what was occurring it was just really scary and overwhelming Mm. and yeah i think like if we look at unhealthy ways to self-soothe we would look at textbook would be i having a feeling jumping on social media using that external stimulation to cover up how we feel. I've done that so many times. Mm. I'll have a feeling about something and then I distract myself to a point where I think it's gone away. But what actually has happened, I've I've suppressed that and Mm. it comes out sideways later when I'm triggered. Mm. When I'm emotionally triggered about that same thing, the intensity behind it is larger Mm. you know because you haven't processed yeah because i have just avoided it by watching some funny tiktoks which at the time felt like a great idea Mm. that used to be me a long time ago getting into relationships yeah like i would get into a relationship to suppress my feelings of being abandoned as a child yeah and 
that relationship would be really great for the first couple of months. Yeah. And then as soon as the relationship was over, my feelings of being abandoned came back tenfold. You yes. know, because I just used that relationship to avoid how I really felt. And then when I when it came back to how I really felt, I felt it even worse. You yeah, know? yeah. Because there's more evidence that you've been abandoned. Absolutely. And especially if I had been abandoned, that just adds to the bank oh. of evidence, <laughs> which is awful. But I, I, I've learned, you know, that... The trauma bank. The trauma bank. <laughs> I've learned that in order to have healthy relationships in my life and to develop healthy coping mechanisms, I have to do this stuff by myself Yeah, because I can really rely on a partner to guide me. And, you know, just the other day I had a little car accident in my driveway Mm. and the empowered single Tara would take the photo, get the insurance number, you know, rah, rah, rah. Mm. But Tara in a relationship just calls her partner and says like, help. Mm. I don't know what to do. Yeah, you go into inner child. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I become less independent. Mm. I regress. My independence regresses when I have someone else in my life that can do that for me. Mm. And so, like, I have to learn to do that stuff for myself still. Yeah. Well, I think romantic relationships have such a direct relationship with our how we're parented as children. You know, our attachment comes out in our romantic relationships as they would, you know, as we were parented when we were kids, the way we, you know, self-soothe in a romantic relationship often is a direct reflection of how we've learned to self-soothe as children. I mean, obviously our childhood sort of affects our entire life, Mm -hmm. but especially romantic relationships because it's that core desire. I want to be loved when they're children. I think all children would have that. You yeah, know? I think it's an it's an innate response. Yeah, yeah, it's a human need is to be loved and to be authentic and to be accepted. And when our parents, which are our number one caregiver and our whole world when we're children, threaten those needs, we create these belief systems and these coping mechanisms that later cause us harm, you know, and that can come out when we're in a romantic relationship. I think there's like a quote about how, think about how healed, I don't know what it is, but something about you think you're healed until you get into a romantic relationship. Oh my God. I was (laughs) just talking to someone on the phone about this. Yeah. Out the front of your house. Yeah. And I was saying, it's all good and well to do all the work by yourself when you're a single. Yeah. But the real work starts when you get into the relationship. Yeah. Like that's when the mirror is held up against you Mm. and you're really shown who you are and how you behave and Mm. what you need to change Mm. and yeah I found that really interesting well should we get stuck into healthy ways to self-soothe yeah so some healthy ways that I've learned like I stated was to do this stuff in solitude yeah is to stop like it's easy for me to ring you every time I'm having a feeling Mm -hmm. and I do do that most time Mm. but it's important for me to actually not ring you and go inwards for Mm. myself and sometimes that looks like having a really big feeling Mm. holding my hand on my heart and Mm. saying I'm gonna love you through this Mm. and that got me through a lot of tough times in my life where you know, I was going through a heartbreak or I was experiencing self-doubt or body image or shame. And developing that relationship with myself was paramount to 
progressing. Like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like it's about balance, having a support network to lean on, but to not use that support network to escape, you know, because I've definitely discussed with mentors of mine, like using that connection with friends to cover up and distract from sitting with the feeling and allowing space to sit with and experience sadness and experience fear and experience anxiety and then to you know speak to people once I've experienced those feelings because the more that I escape from my feelings the worse they're going to come back you know um I think as well we talked about with self-soothing having when you're emotionally triggered, having a toolbox or or an emotional toolbox of tools to lean on things, to lean on different actions when we're emotionally dysregulated. So what could be an emotional toolbox is the things that work for you. Everybody's emotional toolbox is going to be different. I think there's this concept of that everyone has to meditate, everyone has to journal, everyone has to whatever. Find the actionable things that regulate you it's not about what regulates other people Mm. for me you know I've helped other women and they've found that like you know going for a walk is something that really you know regulates them having a hot shower having a hot shower having a cold shower getting into a sauna going to the gym exercise maybe it's gardening Mm. maybe it's reading you know there's also there's a whole world of different experiences out there that are healthy behaviors that we can turn to where when we are experiencing dysregulation And, you know, for me, obviously, we've talked about the morning routine. I have always leaned on a daily practice of meditation. But when I'm emotionally dysregulated, meditation doesn't work for me. It can once I've sort of got that raw intensity. If I've shared my experience with Tara, maybe I can go meditate afterwards because I've had an experience of sharing my like sharing my thoughts and getting them out of me. But often I'll sit down to meditate and just ruminate on the feeling and the narratives and the fears and the anger. Breath work for me has been an awesome tangible practice that has gotten me back into a regulated state. Mm. Same with writing my thoughts down journaling like it's an action I'm getting out the story and I don't have to force myself into a new narrative it's just about getting the narrative that I'm experiencing out totally and I think that journaling opens up a whole new world of self-honesty yeah like there's a filter when we talk to somebody else there's always no matter who it is we're always in fear of what they're gonna think what they're gonna say how Mm. they're gonna judge us or perceive us whereas when we journal It's an introspection, like a solitude introspection with ourselves. And I feel like the raw honesty we can discover through that practice is profound because for me, like I've been able to get so honest with myself and see things really, really clearly when I'm writing it to myself Yeah, because I have no fear Mm. about what someone's going to think or if they're going to shame me for what I say Mm. yeah you can get really vulnerable on the page yeah rage on the page rage on the page (laughs) as Gabby would say yeah (laughs) and another thing that I think is really important as well is learning how to express emotion so there's lots of ways that we can use tools and things to change the emotion Mm. but learning how to actually sit there and process it is really important because and I found this through breath work Mm is if I don't let the emotion come to the surface and be released, Mm. I store it in my body and 
I need like I need a, a practice that will help me release that emotion. And for me in the last couple of weeks, that's just been crying, like literally laying down in bed and just crying mm. and processing that emotion, letting it move through me. And I feel like the breath work really brought that up for me. Yeah. It opened up my body to be able to do that. But the old Tara would pick up the phone and go on Instagram or mm. distract and go out with their friends or, you know, like mm. there'd be so many different things, even for me, like not calling my partner when I'm crying mm. for his support mm. and just sitting with myself, yeah, allowing it to move through me. Your go-to used to be online shopping. God, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> it still is. Don't. <laughs> She's been called out. I don't want to hear it. My postman said to me recently, he said, God, you get a lot of packages. And I was like, I don't need you to shame me as well. You're like, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm having a feeling. Online shopping is a killer. If there is something coming for me in the mail, I'm always happy. Yeah. It's my... Nah, we've got to look at this. We do. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. not good. That's it's not the good. next thing to surrender. We've had a detox. I've had an online shopping detox in the past and it's been so amazing. And do you know what? At the moment... I'm actually not engaging in this behavior as much because I'm saving money. Mm-hmm. I've got a money savings goal. Yeah. And I feel like when I have that, I'm, I'm less inclined to spend money on things I don't need. What I think is a good idea to bring this into is the principle of surrender. Yes. So our topic name was releasing the need to self-soothe, mm. self-soothe through externals. So release for me prompts this idea of letting go Mm. surrender Mm. right so that for me is the hardest thing when i am emotionally dysregulated Mm. surrendering to what might be the worst case scenario and letting go of the needing to control the situation so i feel regulated as a way to self-soothe has been such a big part of the work and by no means has it been applied (laughs) in every situation but I guess that's what is the goal the end Mm. goal you know is for me if I get emotionally triggered by something or if you're emotionally triggered by an experience the way to cover that feeling can often be to go into damage control. Mm. I'm scared of that means X, Y, and Z. So how can I stop X, Y, and Z from happening? Mm. I'm going to control this or I'm going to ask this. Like, you know, if I get triggered by my body image, I want to look at my partner and tell him how I feel about myself so he validates Mm. how I look, right? Mm. But when I'm going to him in that space, there is nothing he can say that is enough to make me feel okay. He is always going to fall short and Mm. then it's going to make the trigger worse. I'm going to feel worse about my body. He's going to feel like he's got a bottomless cup to fill, which Mm. is not his responsibility to fill. And in that moment is when I need to pause and go, okay, I'm feeling X, Y, Z about my body because of something that's triggered this belief. Maybe, you know, like I've eaten something, I'm not eating enough or I've eaten something that's triggered that and I'm seeing myself through a negative lens. How can I validate myself? Mm. You know, what are the practices I can pause and use to validate myself so I'm not looking outside of me to my partner or to Tara or to whoever Mm. to validate me? I think there's a difference between being vulnerable and connecting with people and then using others to... Um, escape how we feel using others to validate the our insecurities because 
that will never be enough. Mm. That will using other people's validation to feel good enough never works because we will always need more, Mm. you know? Like you said, it's a bottomless pit. And I've noticed this a lot in the workplace Mm. previous to my current role, feeling so out of my depth and uncomfortable, Mm. not knowing what I was doing and constantly going to the person that was closest to me to tell me that I was doing a good job. Yeah. I relied on it. And then when that person wouldn't say something to me, it was like I I filled that empty space with a negative because (laughs) my brain is wired to think the worst case scenario. So if you're not telling me I'm doing a good job, it means I'm doing a bad job. But I've only I've set myself up for that by going to this person over and over again to be told you're doing a good job Mm. and withdrawing from that was really hard, but I had to really draw on a higher power yeah and I remember going into the toilets and just praying Mm. and asking like the universe to look after me and to hold me through this and Mm. to know that I'm enough Mm. and that I do a good job or I do my best and that internal dialogue with myself that was my self-regulation and it was like a detox from withdrawing from this person to tell me that I'm okay yeah I, I feel like a relationship with having faith in the belief that everything works out for a reason Mm. lends into that sort of understanding of having, believing in the universe, Mm. that the universe has your back Mm. in any circumstance and leaning on that belief in times where you feel not enough is such a great way to counteract those stories because you know, like, okay, if I feel like I'm falling short in this area, I know that I'm being looked after and that if the my worst case scenario happens, that's actually what's meant to be because I'm going to receive something better, this or better. God, it's such a hard thing <laughs> to do. It's so easy to say, but to actually oh. practice that, it's taken me years of experience to actually believe it. When my life has been in crisis, I have not believed that I'm going to be okay or that there is something better on the other side. Mm. And every single time I am looked after, I am okay and there is something fucking better Mm, every time. How can we self-soothe and apply boundaries? Like how does that work? How does that relationship work? Well, I think it starts with an internal boundary Yeah. because it's okay to set external boundaries with people, Mm. but the internal boundaries are the ones that hold us accountable. Yeah. We're accountable to ourselves and, integrity is what we do when no one's looking yeah. boundaries internal boundaries are what we do when no one's looking and it's about having that control or that surrender it can be either you know whichever way you want to look at it it is self-control but it is a surrender mm. of not going outside of yourself and i think putting in good practices like having a detox off social media or you know having a break from online shopping having those internal boundaries are important to stop going outside ourselves so when we have the neuro pathways in our brain are wired that we go to what's easy we go to what's familiar we go to what's comfortable we go to what we've always done Mm. and having those internal boundaries to say I'm not going to go that way today. I'm going to try a different way. And sometimes trying the different way of sitting with your feelings or journaling or meditating can be really, really uncomfortable. Mm. But the uncomfortability is where we want to be. We want to be uncomfortable because that's what helps us grow. And I think that those boundaries are what lead us into developing a new neuro pathway that leads us towards self-soothing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think boundaries is like, 
It's the unattractive part of self-care. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) And the lonely. It can be the lonely part of self-care. Yeah. You know, when you put in a boundary with someone, it means that you're no longer gaining unfulfilling. Like uh, Mm. You're not getting that payoff. Yeah, like that unhealthy Mm. reassurance or... Yeah. yeah, you're really alone. In, you, you yeah, feel you're alone. You're yeah. forced into actually growing, and sometimes we don't want to grow. Sometimes growing is really painful and really average. Yeah, and it's not cute. It's not pretty. Nah. And I've had this experience with my inner child where I've been introduced to inner child work, and and to soothe that relationship with myself means going inwards and looking at my inner child. And for me, like I developed this resentment against my inner child because of the way she was and I hated myself so much that I hated who I was as a child Mm. so going back to redevelop this relationship with my inner child Mm. it was so uncomfortable Mm. and so yuck and it was like looking at this person that I despised because I despised myself and looking at her with love and offering her this reassurance and it's going to be okay. And then I learned to switch into another way where I became the child and I watched myself come in and be the parent or be the, the older sister or whatever. Mm. And I got to reparent myself that way too. And I felt like that was my internal my internal growth in self-soothing. Mm. 100%. Mm. I love it setting boundaries with people especially when you have like people pleasing tendencies Mm. it doesn't feel good and Mm. that that can it can go against everything that we're sort of ingrained and we're conditioned to feel so I had an experience where there was a relationship a, a friendship that wasn't serving me and it was causing me emotional dysregulation to continue to go back to that friendship Mm. and be in an unsafe experience. But it also goes against all of my fears and everything in me to end that relationship in a loving way and then be alone without that sort of unhealthy reassurance that I'm all good with everyone, you know, like I need to be, everyone needs to like me. I need approval from everyone to feel okay. It was sort of that crossroads of choosing that sort of higher self road and having, choosing to validate myself and choosing to have self-esteem. My, that my relationship with myself is more important than my ego's reputation of myself, of Mm. somebody else's opinion of me. Mm. And that, you know, so I ended that relationship with love and with respect, except straight away once I did that, I had this instant guilt, Mm. instant guilt feeling like I'd done the wrong thing and that I felt like I wanted their love and I wanted their attention, you know, or I wanted their approval I had that experience where it can easily feel if you're not conscious enough, it can make you feel like you've made the wrong decision. Mm. But once that feeling subsides and you unlearn that conditioning Mm. as a chart from your childhood, for me, I realized that that grew my self-esteem in ways that, you know, like it's like a cheat sheet, those boundaries, because that stuff is like really incredible Mm. for developing a relationship with yourself because you start to build self-trust and Mm. self-respect that I'm actually going to take care of myself and I'm not going to put myself in situations where I'm not loved and valued and 
yeah, and then you start to realize that you are loved and valued and you attract people that believe the same thing and, and those relationships are just such a thing of the past. Like, totally. No, thank you. Not <laughs> anymore. A hundred percent. I totally agree. I just think it's our ego mm. that wants these certain things Mm. and when we tap into our higher self or our inner child or whatever it is that makes you feel connected to something Mm. the reality is is there's that shit's full of fluff yeah it's empty yeah it's so empty you know like those egotistical relationships are Mm. so unfulfilling and they also it also like gives me space to come into an emotionally regulated state if i've got a relationship that is causing me to be triggered and on edge and in my fight or flight i have then saved myself so much like emotional turmoil by ending that relationship for me and this is in romantic relationships more than anything I stayed in a toxic relationship because I was so afraid of the breakup. Mm. But what I didn't realize is that I would get through that breakup. Mm. I would get through that breakup and then have this amazing blissful life. But I lived in so much fear of that small amount of time. I didn't think about, I didn't think beyond that. Yeah. You know, because that small amount of time seems so fearful. Oh, and when you like, it is painful, of course, you know, but we'll touch on heartbreak in another app. Yeah. <laughs> and we're really, really, really good at pain avoiders. Yeah. Yeah. We'll run away at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. I will avoid pain by staying in more pain. Exactly. You know, but I don't have an awareness of how much pain I'm at. I'm experiencing because I'm so busy focusing on, you know, I think I'm doing the right thing by myself. But like you always say. When the pain of staying the same outweighs the fear of change, we put in the action. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. Because that is that is the only time that I change. Literally. <laughs> because we're pushed into a corner. Yeah. But I think that's, that's a crucial part of self-development is we learn, you mm. know, and we learn through these experiences. And I've had lots of experiences where I've learned how to respect myself, but I had to go through the disrespect before I learnt the respect and now you know like you move into an energy vibration that like you said attracts more and once I started to believe that I was worthy of something better I started to receive things that were better but I had to do the work I had to do the hard yards Mm. of being alone ugly crying feeling afraid being insecure all of that stuff before Mm. I was able to actually attract and develop and begin a life beyond my wildest dreams. Mm. Mm. I couldn't go into that life with those carrying that baggage. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen. So I had to do the work, release it, and then good things come. Good things come to those who do the work. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, We've loved sharing our experience on self-soothing today and we hope that we were able to give you something that reaches you towards your more authentic self. Mm. Um, we'd love it if you could leave us a review, an honest review, because we're a new podcast and all the reviews really help. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye.